0: You have found Authentic Business Adventures, the business program that brings you the struggle, stories, and triumphant successes of business owners across the land. We are locally underwritten by the Bank of Sun Prairie. If you'd like to listen to some audio episodes, you can download them at the podcast link found at drawincustomers.com. My name is James Kademan, and today we're welcoming slash preparing to learn from Luke Infinger, the CEO and co-founder of Hip Creative, which is probably the coolest Company name
1: ever created. So, Luke, how is it going today? It's going great. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Tell us what is Hip Creative?
1: So, Hip Creative really started uh, just a little over nine years ago as a marketing agency. We thought we would be uh, a local agency. We're in Pensacola, Coast, so serving the Gulf Coast, Southeast. But as we grew, uh, myself and my business partner, Justin Huell, really wanted to focus on really looking at all aspects of the business. So there's four main components: marketing, sales, operations, and finance. And so while we started as a marketing company, we realized that marketing really just exposes problems. Ah. And that's why, like you hear all these stats like eighty percent of small businesses fail. Um, And so we had to zoom out and look at things much more holistically. Today, we've built a framework that is made up of three main components, and it's marketing, software, and coaching. And so we package that up, and it's more or less a a growth framework uh, versus just marketing.
0: So tell me, let's just start with the marketing when you first started out. Nine years ago, it was a little bit different landscape, I guess. Internet was still a thing, so... Mm -hmm. But uh, social media was definitely different back then. So were you tackling the digital side, the billboards, radio, TV, a little bit of everything, or did you have a focus anywhere?
1: Yeah, it was mainly digital. So it was, uh, you know, nine years ago, it was heavy with content, um, websites, blogging. Um, You know, funny enough, we didn't get into running, like, actual Facebook ads or Google ads till probably 2016 or so. Um, So we started in 2014. So that took us a little bit of time. Um, But yeah, I mean, the marketing now is uh, primarily focused in digital. With certain partners, we do graphic design. So we'll do referral pads, billboards, posters, mailers. We'll do some of that stuff. Um, It's largely dependent on the client that we have their needs and their, their budget, are they maximizing the digital areas that, um, in many cases are going to be your lowest acquisition cost. And then we can expand into some, some other areas. So it just depends. And, and, you know, we try and tie everything back to goals versus just doing things to, to do things. So like, what's the actual target here? And then let's put a plan together to, to figure out how to get there.
0: All right. So, let's talk about when you started this or right before you started this. Were you working a day job as a marketing person or what got you into the whole marketing game?
1: So, I tell everyone that everything I'm in uh, more or less happened by accident. Um, So, I'll kind of tell just a little bit of the longer story. So, my background is in design. Um, I ended up going to college in Savannah, which is uh SCAD. It's a big design school, Savannah college of art and design. Uh, some of the world's best designers go to that school. And after finishing up there, my degree was in motion graphics. So, you know, things like title sequences, show packages, when you watch, you know, an NFL game or, you know, NASCAR or whatever it is, the graphics that fly in, or, you know, maybe the world news. Mm -hmm. Um, just about every show you're going to watch, um, you know, like Yellowstone, there's an amazing title sequence. That's a popular show. Um, so that's what I went to school for. And then I moved to New York and started working in a a design shop, uh, in the city. And when I realized, uh, you know, through actual, actually getting a professional job, I realized that more or less, I hated it. Uh-huh. Um, I was working, you know, seven days a week, uh, where I worked, you know, and, and largely this is a job you're going to find in New York city, maybe Chicago, Portland, and LA, maybe Atlanta. So, uh, now that's probably changed and most people are virtual, but you know, that's where all the, the motion graphics studios are. So we would be working, you know, n- 9 AM, 10 AM to midnight every day. You would take hard drives home um and you would make very little money uh because you know most money in production is spent on the front end and then they go over budget and what we do was on you know post production the back end and so it's like pinching pennies to get the work done and so uh you know a lot of times you're dealing with small budgets so you're working for a shop that is really trying to squeeze uh everything out uh, of its team that it can um I loved motion graphics when I could do projects for myself, um, but getting into the real world, it just wasn't for me. And um, a lot of things happened when I was in New York. And and one of it, which was uh, realizing that I just needed to regroup. And so I, I moved back home. I'm from Pensacola, Florida, and um, really just started to focus on my strengths, which was always kind of selling myself uh, and also coupled with just helping people reach their goals. So um, I started to do that and get some freelance work, whether it be rebrands, websites, you know, graphics, odds and in types of things. And just naturally, I kind of started to build a team so I wasn't bogged down in the work. And um, I read a book back then, How to Make Money with Social Media. It's completely outdated today. But back then, it was like, just a a light bulb for me that that went off and it really pitched a model so the book even pitched an agency model with a company called hubspot uh which is a huge crm uh they're out of boston um and at the time and i I don't know how this works now but at the time hubspot had an agency program where they would even assign you a coach they would teach you you know kind of how to sell um, You could even like role play or go through sales calls with them and they would show you price points. Here's what you need to include. I mean, they did a pretty good job of, you know, helping uh, agencies, you know, and at the time we were brand new, figure out how to to get some traction and get some retainers that were uh, focused on long-term goals and, and had actually pretty decent pricing. So that's what I did. And um, I rolled some clients into that automatically. And then as we grew, you know, it just didn't make sense for us to to stay partnered with HubSpot. In fact, we have our own software now called Practice Beacon. that is a simplified version for the verticals that we serve. Um, So that's how I got into this whole game is, you know, just kind of by accident and putting one foot in front of the other around my strengths and figuring out how I was going to add value to businesses. I've always, uh, been drawn to business. And, you know, even when I was, uh, 12, 13, I had my mom driving me door to door to knock on doors and say, Hey, can I mow your lawn? I've actually got my stuff here. I can do it right now. You know, convenience. Um, So I've always been entrepreneurial and always have known that if I wanted something, I would have to go out and earn it because Mm -hmm. my parents only gave me like food and basic clothing. I wasn't this kid who had cars and game consoles and all this. I have always uh, had to go out and get it myself. Um, And I, I am glad, you know, in hindsight that that was the case. Um, because I think a lot of people don't experience that. And, uh, you know, that's, that's why few people go into, go into business and and they just go work for somebody else, you know, so
0: totally fair. We need those people for employees, right?
1: Yeah, 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 sure. (laughs) I mean, you need, you need all different types of people to make the the world go around. But, um, you know, I think that definitely helped mold and shape who I am today. So, so I appreciate that for sure.
0: That's cool. That's very cool. You know, it's interesting. I guess I didn't realize that we ran down a similar path because I went to school Mm. for graphic design and I got a job as a graphic designer and I don't even know if I was there six months. Wow. And I realized this is not what I learned in school. In school, they're like, come up with a logo and you get to do all this fun stuff. Yeah. And when you're on the bottom rung of a graphic design company, at least the one that I worked at, They said, this church wants a brochure, so we're going to do it pro bono. So we'll give it to the new guy. And you're working with a committee and a church, and it's a bunch of people. that uh, It was a huge time waster, and it wasn't a a portfolio builder because you end up making something pretty ugly because you had a a design by committee. (laughs) I remember giving this specific church that I made this brochure for. It was for some fundraiser they had. And I remember I had two that I was proud of. But they wanted five samples, so I just threw together three additional ones, and I presented it to them. And I said, "Just pick two, and we'll run with those." And they picked two of those three that were thrown together. I thought, "Oh man!" I thought I intentionally made those ugly; <laughs> thought they wouldn't choose <laughs> them. So they picked two, and I run down this road, and it was oh, it was gross, it was gross, because they just kept adding information. Whatever it got clogged. Anyways,
1: yeah. I, I like, know man. that all too well. Yeah.
0: It was tough. Anyway, that particular business, I ended up leaving uh, because I went bankrupt before I got a chance to quit. Wow. Long story there, doesn't matter, not relevant to this podcast, but in the end, it's interesting how you go to school for a thing, you expect your life is going to follow this path,
1: mm-hmm. and then you
0: actually get in the real world and you're like, yeah, no, mm-hmm. this is not what I want at all. Yeah. So they don't teach you that in school.
1: Yeah, I think there's something about school with the the creative process, like you're saying, and kind of the artistry element, where you can actually be the creative director. But then you get in the real world, and like you're saying, there's like 12 people on a committee who now want to be the creative director, but they have zero zero qualifications outside of we're paying for this or we're mm-hmm. the client or whatever. And right. um, I wanted to just get out of that as quickly as possible. And, and sadly, I can feel for a lot of creative people. And, uh, who are really good at what they do, but they're never able to, in many cases, really take charge and ownership of the project. And, you know, you just get bulldozed because uh, it's like, you know, home design or, you know, all of these things that are visual, then it just brings out tons of opinions. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, so <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't miss that. Yeah.
0: So did you start your own motion graphics company or how come you started tackle the marketing no. versus doing motion graphics on your own
1: yeah motion graphics um you know it it can only do so much so it can play a piece of the whole puzzle i wanted to focus on the whole puzzle mm-hmm. so i wanted to focus on you know why is your business not growing and then that's why we made the jump from just marketing to where we are today because truth be told I'll ask this question to so many people I talk to, which is, uh, and it really comes from a place like something, something like this, where I get in a room and most people say, so we serve orthodontist and dentists and oral surgeons. So most people will say, I just need more new patients. I'll say, okay. So before we, we talk marketing and ramping up marketing, which is what they think they need. I'll say, walk me through your website. And over the last 12 months, who's gone to your website, filled out forms, raised their hand, say, you know, I want to come in. I need these procedures or I need braces or Invisalign um, and show me, you know, a list of these people when your team uh, responded to them and how they responded to them and who actually scheduled and came in. Mm -hmm. And most people can't answer any of the questions. Oh, well, I don't know. Uh, Let me text uh, or call Sally. Oh, well, Sally says... Uh actually nobody gets that information. We got to call our website company or yeah, um, we think the front desk calls them, but we're not really sure. We don't track it. Um, they've got to call them. And so where I'm going with this is if you don't have a process just for the referrals leads you're already getting, why would you go to, oh, we just need more marketing and more and more people are gonna fall through the cracks? Right. And so what I want to do is plug the leaks, then turn on the leads. And so I want to look at all the systems that are in place. I want to listen to, um, the first interaction, the first phone call, I'm going to secret shop the practice. Uh, I'm going to look at correspondence. Um, I'm also going to look at who is in those roles and do they like sales? Do they like customer service? Most people, uh, in a front desk role, uh, do not, they're just thrown there because they're, you know, a uh, low paid employee and, Oh, we don't need somebody incredible to be at the front desk. But, you know, even though we're told not to judge a book by its cover, we all do. And if you're listening or watching how many interactions have you had that are bad or not great. And because of that, you called somebody else. A lot of people, right. Right. I do that all the time. I'm like, this person doesn't sound friendly. Like this person doesn't even sound like they want me to be here. Um, you know, and I'll just hang up the phone. And if, you know, the next person on Google, I'm going to call. And if it's a warm and inviting, I'm going to go there. I'm not even going to call the other place back and cancel my appointment. Right. And so there's all these issues that can stem from the very first interaction. And most business owners are just completely blind to what's going on. They don't even know um, what's happening at these touch points.
0: Fair. Totally fair. You know what? You remind me of a meeting that I had years ago when I was getting radio ads. This was probably 2008, 2009. I had a small printer repair, copy repair company. And since the market had crashed, I knew that the economy was having a rough time because I had salespeople for these ad agencies reaching out to me. And I was a small company where before they wouldn't even give me the time of day, but when all the car dealerships and stuff like that pulled all their ads, they had all this time available. Anyways, so I'm like, hey, let's let's run with this. I was throwing some money at it. And I was in this meeting, the creative meeting, and this very smart salesperson, she's still a friend of mine today, she says, uh, what are you going to do if this works? And I was thinking, okay, it's me, my cell phone, and I have three technicians. So if the marketing works, that means my cell phone's going to light up. And I'm actually in the field as well, fixing machines, helping my employees and stuff like that. So a lot of these calls are going to be missed. Or I'm going to be answering while I'm driving, which is almost as bad. (laughs) So it's interesting because it made me step back and say, oh, uh -oh, what if it does work? Because you're expecting you're going to pay this money. It's an investment. And the back of the mind hope is that it works. But the other side back of the mind is like, you can say, I tried right almost hoping that it doesn't work and when she asked that i was like oh man great question that is a you need a very in-depth answer to that that i don't have so it's interesting that i was in that position as well
1: but that alludes to
0: i guess uh some of the challenges that i've seen with with clients or potential clients is they a lot of entrepreneurs feel Uh, that they don't want to admit if they don't know something. So something's awry or someone's kind of pulling back the curtain and learning that, hey, how come you didn't do this or you need to do this? These entrepreneurs, business owners, don't want to be told that they messed up, even though they did, and it's costing them thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. So how do you talk to business owners in a way that lets them know, hey, we're going to help you, even though we got to see some of your errors behind the curtain. Cause that's going to be a challenging conversation.
1: It is. Yeah. And, and we're not for everybody. Um, but I think it's, uh, bringing these things to light and just, you know, asking them if they want to grow or if they want to remain status quo. And it's a hard conversation, but we want to have those hard conversations. Cause if you can think back in, in any time of your life where you've made positive change and big change, It's come from a hard conversation. It hasn't come from an easy conversation, like, "Hey, Luke, uh, you know everything's great. Uh, You know you're, you know, way overweight, but you're you're showing up once a week, and you know just keep doing it." Well, you know if if that is the case, um, and I want to make positive change, it's probably going to take somebody getting real with me and say, "Hey, you may be in store for these diseases, or you know you may be taking years off your life, and you're going to have to." Have nutrition, and you know what do you really want in life? Do you want more years with your family? And and painting that picture, and where I'm going with this is it's going to be a, a hard conversation, and I'm going to have to make a, a real decision and think about what I actually want in life, and that's what we're trying to do with the doctors that we serve, is really getting down to it and see, you know, do they have goals, dreams, aspirations, and do they Actually want to achieve those, or do they want to have an ego? Do they want to be a know-it-all? Um, and and do they want to drive the ship? Because if they do, that's great. You know, have fun, but you're probably just going to be stuck on the hamster wheel. Um, all of us who need help and want to grow, um, you know, we have to take an honest assessment of where we're at. And you're right, that is hard. Like, I I don't always love it when people point things out about me or my business, but I hope that I can take an honest assessment. If, if it's good information and say, you know what, they were right. I do need to do that. Even if it's a month later, two months later, six months later, whatever it is. Um, you know, if people really want to grow, I, I feel like you should want to be uncomfortable because comfort, uh, it, it really just keeps you complacent. Totally.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. They're called growing pains for a reason, right? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Interesting. You know, it's funny. We have conversations with people that are selling, I guess, marketing ad reps. And I try to convince them to talk to their clients about our call answering service with the idea that when they jump, boost their marketing, throw all this money at marketing, presumably it's going to work to a point and new potential clients are going to reach out and we can be the ones that answer presuming that these companies don't have anyone to answer or mm. like you said the grouchy people <laughs> answering yeah or something like that some of the verticals that we take care of the people that do answer their phone if they do answer their phone uh it it just sounds like you're interrupting their life it's yeah. not a, <laughs> they don't hear cash register ring ring when that phone rings they hear no. interruption and you can ah grouchy mm-hmm. as far as that yeah. goes So tell me, you got the marketing thing. At what point did you evolve that into adding these other steps to that or these other opportunities?
1: Yeah. So we started to uh, create uh, a lot of training uh, around 2019. It wasn't really structured, though, when we started creating it. It was like interviews with top performers uh, in the space about key topics Um, We had this idea about a software. We were manually secret shopping people um, using like Google phone numbers and things like that. Um, And so really it was during COVID. So when most people shut down, you know, our, our customers, or we call them partners shut down for 60 days, some people longer, 90 days. But that gave us enough time to really work on the business and roll out these ideas. So we rolled out our software called Practice Beacon. Um, you know, if anybody's interested, they can go to practicebeacon.com, look at it. Uh essentially, it's just a very simple CRM. Um it's keeping up with the new patient journey. Again, we serve doctors, so they're trying to reach patients. Um you can make phone calls out of it, text messages, Um, And then we also launched our secret shop software which is proprietary it's actually patent pending. Um, So it will go on someone's website and fill out a contact form with tracking information and measure response times, Um, you know, did they call leave a voicemail text send an email, Um, and then you know, if they did, what was the cadence with that and when did it occur, in most cases if any follow-up happens at all, it's like a day later and it's like one phone call. And so, yeah, that'll, you know, if you pull up your phone right now and just go to missed calls and you see the red numbers, which are the missed calls and you're not going to have names saved to those. I don't know about you. I never call those people back. I rarely check my voicemail when my voicemail says, oh, it's 95% full. I'll go in and delete some. And then I'm even finding myself, you know, I'm getting these, uh, these text messages and they just, again, it's not a saved number. So, and it's like this long. So I just ignore it. In many cases I delete it. And so what has to happen is call, voicemail, text message, and email in clusters. Um, It's a hybrid follow-up process is kind of how our system works. Some of this is automated, some of it's manual, but you know, if you get a phone call and a voicemail, you miss it, but then you get a text message Hey, that was me who just called you. This is Luke at Hip Creative. When's a good time to chat? I send you an email too maybe, and then I follow that in 2 hours. Obviously, I change up the messaging. I follow that again in 24 hours. Well, by then somebody's going to connect it and go, "Oh, this is that website I went I do need help." That that's who this is. Let me let me text them back. So this um,
0: is triggered by that person opt-in, filling out a form. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So
0: they raised their flag and said, "Hey, I'm interested," and then you're saying, "Great!" And it takes them a little while to actually respond to you.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's that's when we go in and say, "Hey, were you aware of this? Would you like help with this?" Um, you know, what's what is a good response time to you? What's your process in office? And again, um, doctors. In this case, it's doctors, but it could be the tool could work for anybody. They're they're kind of shocked that the follow-up is this poor, especially if there's no follow up, which in happens, their own clinic. Yeah, in their own their own clinic. For practice yeah okay. Yep. Yep. That's
0: funny kind of, because I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. Not even a little bit. Not even which is funny because that's what the norm is, right? We live in this beautiful yeah. communication age where we have 50 million different ways to communicate with people. And then it's only making us worse at actually communicating. <laughs> Totally. It's kind of ironic. Yeah, it's funny. And
1: and to go back to, you know, sales and customer service, largely the issue is there's just no training, mm-hmm. you know, there's zero training. It's like, here's how you answer the phone. Here's a basic script. If they need emergency dental care, they need to call this number. Um, if they bring up uh, Medicaid, you know, you say it's all this um, jargon versus, you know, here's how you need to understand people. Here's how we want to serve people. Here's the type of service we want to bring to the phone call. That stuff's more important. You can go over the nuts and bolts, like once they show up, but if they don't show up, then you you have nobody to help. Right. You know, so, uh, people <laughs> really need to, uh, think about this and think about how do we make it easy for the consumer? So many businesses are trying to make it easy for the business. Well, we need to get, you know, these 400 questions answered or else cancel their appointment. I'm not going to answer 400 questions.
0: Oh my God. You remind me of this conversation I just had with an employee of mine. So we call answering service. We put together a flow chart for every client and client, new client had sent us a doc with a bunch of information about how to answer the phone. This is what we're doing. Right. And then we, created the flowchart, sent the flowchart to the client. Client sends us back an updated doc saying, hey, I forgot some of this stuff. And so my employee said, I'm going to send an email back to this client asking them to highlight the changes they made. And I said, no, you're not. You're going to (laughs) go through that document and you're going to create a new flowchart. And she's like, but we don't know what changes they made. I've said, you're starting from scratch. Our job is to make their job easier. Our job mm. is not for them to make our job easier. If that were the case, they have no reason to pay us. Exactly. And you could tell the employee was like, God, I know you're right, but I hate it kind of thing. This internal battle. But I'm like, I know that it sucks, right? I know that we should have been able to see. There's a few things that could have been done where we could actually see the changes and all that jazz. We can't. You're starting over. Mm-hmm. That's, our, that's our game. That's what we yeah. sell. Yeah. So it's interesting. One, I kind of felt a tiny bit bad that I'd tell the employee to do this. But the other thing in the back of my head was, why do I have to tell the employee this? Shouldn't the employee just know that their job is to make it easier for the client, not easier for us? But, I mean, it's... Most people don't. At. It was yeah, bizarre. Most, it was yeah. bizarre that that was even a thing like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. There's no way that you're asking that client to do more work. No way. Yeah. No way. So I get it. I completely understand what you're saying. So you have the software and you have the the marketing. Is the idea that with the software, you can find where the cracks are in the marketing or where their marketing is actually working to yeah. the point of actually getting forms filled out and people knocking, yeah. knocking on the door or raising the flag saying, hey, pay attention to me. I have money to give you. And then the practice is just oblivious to it.
1: Yeah. It's, it's really a place to measure what's going right and what's going wrong. Cause you know, some practices just knock it out of the park. Um, they've already got a great team. There's great leadership in place. You know, that's, that's an easier situation where there's a flat organizational structure. So it's the, the owner, which is the doctor and then everybody else on a flat line. Um, and there's little training. Um, yeah, we, we're looking at it through the lens of is this working and where are the training opportunities? But anyone can get better. So even the ones who are doing 90%, you know, we can still look for those those small tweaks. Um, so yeah, it, it tracks all of that. So we can even uh, zoom into Facebook ads or Google ads or website form submissions and see how to scale what's actually working. But then again, Oh, here's this messaging. And, and Luke told Harrison, Hey, uh, Harrison, if you're interested in coming in, just call me. Well, no, we, we just want to call them. We don't want to tell them to call us. So (laughs) yeah, it brings up all these training opportunities. I mean, even dropping pricing treatments, $8,000. Let us know if you want to schedule. Well, you sell it as a payment plan though. So shouldn't we talk about the payment plan, not the total price right now and see if Mm -hmm. they're even interested and that's even doable. Um, so really, the, the third component is, I think, the most vital, which is all the curriculum and coaching. So we have four books. Uh, the first one's on the front desk. The second one is on the sales position, which is on the, uh, it's called a treatment coordinator. The third one is, is on leadership and really how to scale. And the fourth one's on mindset. And then we're taking those books and turning them into training courses with quizzes, uh, course materials. And then we have tons of white papers and uh, training videos outside of that as well. And we do live training. So we have 21 days of onboarding for our partners. And, um, you know, as they come on, they're getting training on zoom calls. Their teams are now we don't do any clinical training. So, you know, we're not orthodontists. We don't know how to move teeth. We're not going to train on that, but we are going to train on what they did not go to school for, which is business um, and in sales and marketing. And, um, then we launch and hopefully the team follows the process. If they don't, we have our own follow-up team. So our follow-up team will call prospective patients, uh, and schedule them for the office. So at that point, we're handing them scheduled appointments versus leads. Um, but some offices, you know, just aren't, aren't set up for that meaning maybe they're a big office and they have a call center of 10 people well we need to just work with them to follow the process because you know it doesn't make sense for our, our follow up team to get involved so it it's really just dependent on the practice and what they need and that's why i think it's so important to look at things more holistically versus just this blanket approach for everybody while we do have a framework that includes these things you know, not every practice may need all those things. Um some practices are going to need more coaching in certain areas than others. And so yeah, I think you just got to get to know your clients and understand what it is uh that's holding them back from growth and their goals and and focus on those things. Fair, totally fair. I want to talk about working with people.
0: Okay. So you you work with uh orthodontists dentists and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We I'm curious about this because our practice we deal with uh we're targeting veterinary clinics. Mm. One of the things that we found is that veterinarians, practice owners, are very good at helping their animals or I imagine just like your orthodontists are good at fixing teeth, whatever. But when it comes to the back end stuff, uh they're a mess. Uh They're mess, just scatterbrained, and they're so focused or so driven by their goal of helping people or helping teeth or pets or whatever it is that they're they're taking care of that they're very – it's very challenging to kind of pin them down and say, hey, let's meet for 20 minutes, a half hour, and knock this stuff out. Or you – it's interesting because I guess sometimes we feel like we're not talking to them on the same level that they can understand just as if they were to try to talk to me on a veterinary level or orthodontist level, right over my head. Right. Didn't go to school Mm -hmm. for that. Not my jam. So, but we're trying to talk to them about business or marketing or phone answering, whatever they just, they kind of, I don't want to say that they don't care, but they just, I feel like they don't understand it. So it's challenging. So what you are doing, you need a lot of input from them and a lot of like, even just finding a password to get into their scheduling program or whatever. Sometimes for us, that's been a challenge just getting that down because they're like, I don't know who has that. We just mm-hmm. click enter and it's and it's there. So how do you get around that or work with the doctors in that regard?
1: Well, I mean, in some cases we don't, you know, like okay. it's uh, yeah, that that's a huge problem. Um, in, in many cases we do, and it's just continuing to get in front of them and remind them of the goal. Hey, you came to us. This was the problem. We're trying to solve the problem. We need your help. Um, And it is a lot, you know, there's a lot of stuff that is going on. There's a lot of stuff they have to do. Um, There's a lot of stuff they're responsible for. And I get it. Like we want to make it easy as possible, but um, it's, it's complicated. You know, there's a lot of moving pieces. There are a lot of logins and passwords and there's, you know, 10 different pieces of software tied together. And it's just the nature of the beast. I think just trying to keep it as organized as possible for them. um, You know, we'll even say, Hey, you know, let's just get on a zoom call and just spend lunch going through this. Um, But that is the most painful part, you know, is, is getting access to accounts and worksheets and nobody wants to do that stuff. It's not fun. (laughs) Um, I would encourage people if, if, you know, they're not doing this, use something like team password or, or something to, even if it's a spreadsheet, just to keep things organized, because that is going to make your life so much easier through business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's crazy how many people don't know their passwords to things.
0: Bizarre. Yeah, bizarre. it
1: really is.
0: Yeah. Um, one of the things I guess, continuing to talk about the people, you got the doctors, the business owner, whatever practice owner, sold on it now you got the rest of the people that are in the chain Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. in the pyramid pyramid and i imagine every once in a while you run into some of those that are not necessarily sold on it correct so they're told by the the owner the doctor whatever hey this is happening but i imagine sometimes you get some pushback from them can you tell us about that a little bit
1: for sure yeah um to be in their shoes a lot of times it's oh great they found the next shiny object. Oh yeah, uh, the you know this will be over in 30 days, and it'll be just like the last one. And I think you go in saying basically that, like, hey, I don't know the past, but you know, if this is you, and and this happened, or you feel this way, we want to be totally different. We want to be uh, on your team. We want to be an extension of your business, and it's really about having empathy. If we go into it having empathy and putting ourselves in their shoes, they're uh, really going to buy into the process um, if there's a chance. In some cases, they don't. Um, And we'll talk about that too. But also letting them know we're going to make their job and life easier. You know, we are going to help them win. We are going to encourage the doctor to roll out a um, bonus and incentive plan. Um, you know, just all these things that are really uh, wins for them and make it easier and better for them. When there and we've we've come into this on the flip side, um, there's just people with really bad attitudes. Fair, can, totally can fair. Can you can you believe that? There yeah, are right. have met a couple. Bad attitudes, and so with time, we will uh, make sure we know who has bad attitudes and we will let the owner know. And uh, somebody told me this probably back in 2015, Um, really smart guy. His name's David Stoughton. I believe he is in Australia and he owns uh, a group of plastic surgery clinics in Australia. Brilliant guy. And he was telling me about people like this in the practice. And he said, Luke, we call them onboard terrorists. Because they're blowing things up. They're blowing the business up from the inside. And we have to eradicate that um, if we want to grow, if we want to have good service, because they're gossiping, backbiting, they're uh, being rude to patients, whatever it may be. Um, And you have to get that out of the business because it's cancer. In some cases, it's the owner. In that case, if you're a team member watching or listening, you should just bail and you know, go <laughs> go find another job. But in a lot of cases, team members take the business hostage and they say, Doc, if you do that, we're gonna do this. Mm-hmm. If you do that and force us to do that, then we're gonna have a mutiny. And we hear this several times a year. Hey, uh yeah, I need to back out of the contract because the team's not gonna do it and it's already so hard to hire. And I oh. think go through that again. And so uh, I know this is an issue and I should be a better leader, but uh, I got to, I got to bow out. Hey, that's fine. I mean, like I said, we're not for everybody. Um, We want to attract the people who really want to roll up their sleeves and get their hands dirty with us because it's, it's done with you. Anything that's good, it's going to be done with you. Everything's not going to be done for you. That's just not life. Imagine, you know, going through your day and every single thing is done for you. Um, not possible. Even right. the super productive people like Elon Musk, Warren Buffett. Yeah, on a large scale, it's automated, but they're still doing, you know, a lot of stuff for themselves and they're still working full time jobs. Um, you know, you hear about all these young people who just want to automate everything. It's like Warren Buffett still works 50, 60, 70 hours a week. Mm-hmm. You know, and how old is he? Truett Kathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, worked till he died, which was 94 years old. Um, you know, the way culture uh, is shifting and training us isn't really true. Like, we can't just press a button and chat GPT does everything for us. Maybe it'll get to that point. Um, but, you know, it, I think largely, um, you know, it's about doing the work and putting in the time and committing to things.
0: Yeah, it'd be a scary world if we have Chat GPT or whatever AI do it all for, yeah. for us. Yeah. I feel like the creative stuff would just go down the drain. Great yeah. cubes everywhere. Yeah, it's interesting how I meet a lot of people, even interviewing people to be employees. How many people just want, very happy to take the paycheck, but not interested oh, in yeah. doing anything for it. Oh, yeah. And it's bizarre because. From my point of view, there's a pride in a job well done Mm -hmm. that I feel like maybe these people never knew that or they never discovered it or they've never done a job very well. So they haven't had that pride. I don't know what the situation is. Yeah. It was very interesting. I don't, you know, I mean, after you create something super cool when you're in school or with your business or you help a client, there's a feeling that goes way beyond the money. I mean, it's just a cool feeling, like you're making the world a better place, or you added something, some kind of cool energy, or something. Whatever. I don't know if I'm clearly not explaining it well. Yeah,
1: fall in love with the process. Yeah, and I think it should be uh, about the journey, and it's easier said than done. I don't every single day. I'm not just like, oh, it's amazing. You know, yeah, rainbows and (laughs) moonbeams. Yeah, eight, eight bad calls today. Amazing. You know, but I think on a large scale you should really love what you do. If you zoom out and, and a lot of times it's about outcomes. I had this really tough call. I didn't want to get on the call, but the outcome ended up being incredible. The owner, doctor, whoever I'm serving, you know, was able to have an aha moment. And I really think we helped them. And then that's what you love. And like, that's why I show up every day. And you may, you may go through a hundred bad calls to get to that one, but that one keeps keeps you going you know if you're a salesperson how many no's are you going to get before you get a yes but that yes keeps you going and and you love that feeling Mm -hmm. um you can look at sports you know uh i remember as a kid i loved brett Favre. uh he threw just as many interceptions as touchdowns did he focus on the interceptions or did he love the touchdowns right you know and so i think it's just you know convincing yourself to be uh, a glass half type of person versus half empty and it's it's just working on that every day because and you can even ask siri this google whatever how many or what percentage of thoughts are negative and it's going to come up 80 percent of thoughts are negative wow is it really yeah uh so and i I know i verified even this the other day i'm like i think that's it let me and it sure (laughs) enough yeah that's it um and so if that's the case, it's not only with ourselves, it's with everybody we talk to. So we need to be thinking, if if that is true, how do I try and shift everything to be more positive? Surely it's not going to happen all the time. And there's, there's a time and a place to be negative if something really <clears throat> bad happened, but how are you going to turn it into a positive? Um, but I think by and large, people want hope. People want to know that you know, things can get better. And so if you can focus on the positive, um, I just think for yourself and for other people, you're gonna make a, a way bigger impact. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm trying to do real time all the time. And it's hard. And some days I I fail at it completely.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I find myself same situation, right? You try to get yourself into a positive mindset. You can get more done, you can help people more it kind of spreads but there uh-huh. are other times when you almost get tired of that pushing for positive fight
1: oh yeah for you're sure you're
0: almost just like you know what i'm gonna be a little grouchy just for an hour here because yeah
1: yeah i'm gonna tear apart those... this uh troll on instagram yeah they, right. they, they trolled me one too many times here we yeah. go
0: fair yeah totally fair it's it's funny especially in a the cancel culture type thing i suppose if you're doing it on social media mm-hmm. or something like that yeah. Tell me about the the actual meetings when you're meeting with the doctors or the clinic owners, practice owners. Is this a routine once a week, once a month, or is it like we met once and now we got it from here? Kind of thing. Tell me about the logistics of how you get all that kind of stuff set up. Because you're talking about yeah. people that are busy. I mean,
1: yeah, presumably busy. Yeah. yeah, we like to have a call once a month. We don't force a call to happen. Um Some people, yeah, they're just killing it and they just keep renewing and things look great. Um, We did just introduce a role. It's called the practice advisor role, because now that we have all this coaching and training and curriculum, we want to make it stick and integrate it in the practice. Those calls will happen once a month and it'll be sequential. So it'll be building off the last call and saying, okay, did we do this? did this happen did we accomplish what's your feedback okay now let's work on the next thing which is this and you just continue unlocking things as you go um but yeah i mean again it's it's looking at each practice more holistically if somebody's just crushing it and knocking it out of the park we don't necessarily need to have a call but let's at least check in give us some feedback let us know how the month went um let us know what you guys are seeing um but we tell people this all the time. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. Mm-hmm. So don't come to us a year later and say, oh, you guys didn't do this. This never happened. This never happened. This never happened. It takes two. Right. Yeah. And I I, I kind of mentioned this earlier. It's done with you. Let us know what you need. We're not mind readers. Somehow we still haven't figured that out. Maybe one day we will. <laughs> uh, maybe when Elon rolls out Neuralink, we can just literally read everybody's mind scared um, out of me yeah yeah but give us some feedback you know it's like when when a patient comes in don't you need to do x-ray don't you need to do imaging don't you need to ask them questions you know don't you need them to come back in 4 to 6 weeks and see how things are doing and you know is uh, a wire poking them back here or you know what's going on is there pain um we need the same thing from you know our client And so I think it's just about having a real relationship and in Mm -hmm. any real relationship, there's going to be communication Um, and there's just no way to put this on autopilot or again, get a robot to do it. Um, You've, you've got to have that communication and you've got to fill that energy and it's a dance. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So that has to happen. I think for any relationship to be successful, I don't care if it's a client, your kid, your friend, your wife, uh, there has to be this back and forth in communication for it to work.
0: Fair, totally fair. Yeah, it has to be challenging, I imagine. But do you do you set the tone right from the beginning and say, this oh yeah, it's going to happen. Oh yeah. As long as you understand this, we're cool. If you don't understand this, it's probably not a good fit.
1: Yeah, they even initial like a commitment section. We have commitments. I think a lot of people probably don't read it but they initial it and we'll tie it back to that. Hey, I don't know if you remember, let's pull this up on screen and, and read these commitments. You initial, do you remember doing this? Do you look at the first commitment? Oh yeah, you're right. Luke. Oh, yeah, we're just busy. It's like, Hey, we're all busy. Right. You know, I, I have several businesses. We're talking about one, but I, I have a few, I have hundreds of clients. I can't get on a call with the client and say, Hey, uh, sorry, I'm busy. I've been busy. You know, like (laughs) no one else says we're all just waiting around. Yeah. Like, uh, okay. But I hired you, you know? Um, so that's, that's just not an excuse for me.
0: Right. Fair. I love it. Luke, how can people find you?
1: So if people want to reach out, um, the best ways to email me, it's Luke L U K E at hipcreativeinc.com. That's H-I-P creative, I-N-C.com. That's going to be the best way. If you want to check out our website, it's hip.agency, not .com. It's not hip creative. It's just hip.agency. Tell me really quick before
0: we take off, because I got to ask. Tell me about the name.
1: So the name started, uh, when we started the company, it was myself, Justin Huell, and my wife, Catherine. And so it was Huel. Infinger price. My wife was the price before obviously she married me. My last name's Infinger and then Justin Jewel. So it just happened to work out. It's uh it's a really cool uh brand, hip. Yeah. And uh people love it and ask all the time what's it mean. Um since then we've kind of reinvented reinvented the name uh, mainly for our internal team around our core values, which are hunger, integrity and passion.
0: Oh, that's cool yeah hunger integrity and passion yeah that is cool well played i love it i love it well thank you very much luke i appreciate you being on the show you shared some great insights here and i got the takeaway that i have here is getting those commitments from our clients because that's it's so interesting i don't know if you end up in this situation or not but we end up being the fall guy for a lot of stuff that when we like we document everything and I have my crew is like, this wasn't our fault, but we're getting blamed for it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm like, it's kind of what they pay us for.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, if anybody is struggling with that, I would even bring up just like a templated contract on and share screen and say, Hey, just before I send over the contract, let's just review the commitments together, go through each one. Are you good with this? And then again, remind them of the destination. And that way, like, there's really nothing they can say at that point, right? Because you're wanting a shift to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're just brought into something, let, let's let just say a team member is brought into a company and we're, we don't talk about our core values, our service values, the goal, your performance, KPIs. We don't talk about any of that. We just plug you in. Versus we talk about all those things and you commit and say, hey, I'm in. What's the difference in performance? It's the same person but their performance is going to be drastically different
0: because they want to match what they just told you.
1: Correct. And so we want to do, we want to do the same thing with our client. We want them to commit to it, buy in. Yes, this is what I want. And then we can tie it back to that all the time.
0: I love it. That is super cool. Luke, I appreciate you being on the show.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me.
0: This has been Authentic Business Adventures, the business program that brings you the struggle stories, and triumphs and successes of business owners across the land. We are locally underwritten by the banks of Sun Prairie. If you're listening or watching this on the web, if you could do us a huge favor, give us a big old thumbs up, subscribe, and of course, share it with your entrepreneurial friends. My name is James Kademan, and Authentic Business Adventures is brought to you by Calls on Call, offering call answering and receptionist services for service businesses across the country on the web at callsoncall.com. And, of course, the Bold Business Book, a book for the entrepreneur in all of us, available wherever fine books are sold. We'd like to thank you, our wonderful listeners, as well as our guest, Lucas Infinger, the CEO and co-founder of Hip Creative, Luke, can you tell us that website one more time? Yep, hip.agency. Hip.agency. It couldn't get simpler than that. I love it. Past episodes can be found morning, noon, and night. Podcast link found at drawincustomers.com. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week. I want you to stay awesome. And if you do nothing else, enjoy your
1: business.